0: Welcome back to Pixel Sift Radio Murdoch's weekly video game show. Each week we sift through the rubble of the wasteland to find caps, stim packs, and the greatest video game commentary you can find this side of Australia bit of a claim, isn't it? Uh-huh. It uh, is.
1: No, we are. Just Own good. it. Yep. yep. All right.
0: Stick to your guns. I'm Gianni. This is episode eight. I'm joined in the studios by my co-hosts, Mitch and Scott. Hey, hey. Hey. This week, we are looking through all things arcane and mysterious and the stuff of rumor or legend,
2: are Scott? Uh, yeah, we'll be uh, looking at the fabled Nintendo PlayStation, uh, which turned up earlier this year
0: that's been something that's been rumoured and talked about for many, many years. Many, many a year. And everyone thought that it didn't actually
2: exist, but it actually weird. It's finally been confirmed. Well, I believe, you know, it might might come out fake, but I I don't think so at this point.
0: We're also going to be talking about marathon gaming sessions. Now, they're not all that uncommon if you're a hardcore gamer, but some local gamers are working hard this weekend to make their gaming count for something more than just fun.
3: As a group of friends, we've always... um caught up for the night and and, and caught up online and, and played from home and so it was just an extension of what we we're doing as a group of friends we
0: speak to Dionne and Keegan who are from the one-up marathon about their plans this weekend to start the show this week though we are looking at how gaming multiplayer can be extended beyond the controller and the keyboard in some very interesting ways
1: yeah so um, we're gonna check out a term we've coined uh, we call crowd multiplayer All that and more
0: coming up on Pixel Sift on Radio
1: Murdoch.
2: Whether PC, handheld or console, Pixel Sift, Radio Murdoch.
0: First up today, we are looking at some of the new features that have come out on the brand new Rise of the Tomb Raider game. If you jump online, you can watch these games online. You may have heard of, you know, online game streaming platforms such as Twitch, but if you're using the Xbox One version of the Twitch app to watch the game. You can actually go in and vote on things as people are streaming the game.
1: Yeah, so pretty much this thing is called Expedition Mode, and as you play Tomb Raider online and you're streaming, your viewers can actually interact with you and choose different scenarios that can pop up. So um, it's limited to, it's important to discuss now that it is limited to the Xbox One Twitch app. So you can only do this on that. The game itself is actually already limited to Xbox One, Twitch as well. Yeah.
0: Um, well, oh, sorry, it's on Xbox One only at the moment. It's a timed it? exclusive. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. I can sort of see why they would be doing that at the moment. But
1: um,
2: yeah, is that just for now though? Like, I think while, it is while for now. We've
1: yeah. 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 So it's unclear whether these Twitch like tools will be able to be used on PS4. But as of right now, um, you have so uh, when you're playing and you're streaming online, you have the ability to. Your viewers will have, like, periodically have the ability to choose between two options, and they'll either help or hinder you. As like cards, for example, so like they can either be like a buff, like big head mode for your enemies, or they can not help you. Like they'll choose like more enemies spawn and things like that. Or you'll lose health regeneration, or the enemies will I think have armor so, yeah. and, and all that sort of thing. So yeah, not much information's
0: out on exactly what the cards do just yet. I'm interested yeah. to see whether if. You can watch all this stuff on your computer as well. And I spent a lot of time watching this on my computer. And you can link your Xbox profile directly to your Twitch account as well. And I'm wondering if whether you'd be able to vote on on things in
1: on, from the website as well while yeah. watching it on... Well, as it stands right now, Xbox has said that it's only available if you're watching it on the console itself using the Twitch app on the Xbox One. Okay. So it all has to be yeah. linked in using the same... Yeah, so all these interactive features are pretty much bound to the console I think this is uh,
0: an interesting sort of direction that we're taking these games. Games as a spectator sport, yeah. Like
1: by design, it almost feels like Hunger Games if you've read Hunger that. Games, like, yeah. it, it, like you know how they could like kind of you could donate and then get advantages for your favorite player. Yeah, things pay, like that. Pay a tribute to yeah, your... or you can like hinder them. It, it yeah. just seems like that. So other interesting. So pretty much at launch, there'll be a set of sixty-four different cards. Cards being the scenarios that you can vote on, and they'll be arranged into one hundred and eighty-six possible combinations. Yeah.
2: See, I just think this is taking viewing of uh, game tournaments and stuff just to that next level. And instead of just waiting for tournaments to come around, we can actively participate in watching games all the time, all the year around, and also benefit from it in our own games. It's uh yeah it's a it's a great step.
1: Yeah, so interesting you should mention your own benefit. Um, so Twitch viewers actually gain certain advantages by watching and voting. So you get gifts in the form of credits. So you can earn up to 500 in-game credits, and you can use them in your own Tomb Raider game to purchase weapons, and other outfits for Laura and for Lara, and um yeah things like that. It's really it's it's kind of cool
0: to see that they they're focusing so heavily on this broadcast model yeah. and where this sort of started out where people can kind of have this interaction between the game if you're a viewer and kind of have an impact on the game itself was probably the biggest one that everyone probably knows is Twitch Plays Pokemon which is basically it was like a it was like a program that an yeah. Australian developer had de- designed and it was playing an emulated version of the original Pokemon Red and Blue and as people were talking in the chat, it would put in commands into the game. Yep. So it originally started, and basically you could type in up, and the character would move up, and you could type in down, and the character would move down. And it would be if you've seen these Twitch chats or a lot like you know uh, any other chat program, people would just type in commands, and the, the yeah. character was moving around and all these sorts of things. So as it was going along, it was kind of hard for them to kind of do stuff, and people had to kind of co- coordinate and collaborate in order to do stuff, and people were typing commands so quickly that things it would were get like,
1: like organized packs of people that would like try and make. Red or Red do something weird and like, yeah, spawned, or just try to
0: throw off the game. It spawned a massive online sort of following. It became like, you know, there were subreddits dedicated to it and as it sort of developed, they brought in a different mechanism where basically you could vote whether you wanted either anarchy where every command entered in would have an immediate effect or you could have uh, order where basically every... A command was sort of averaged out. So mm-hmm. if you had 50 ups and only 40 downs, then you would go up. So like yeah. a voting system. Like Major- a majority system. rules. Yeah, like a majority yeah. rules voting system. So And people could vote on that as well to determine whether you wanted an Anarchy system or if you wanted an Order system, and it would change the way that we're doing. I mean, they managed to pass the Elite Four. And like yeah. all the characters in the things, like the Pokemon themselves, became like mythological characters and like you're trusting in them. Yeah,
1: people assigned almost to a religious extent. Yeah, it was wow.
0: hilarious yeah. sort of stuff. And there's another... Yeah. Um, you know, an aspect to this as well is that people are also designing other games that are designed specifically for Twitch chat as well. Yeah. Now there was a
1: really cool one we were just looking at before this as well, and could you tell us a little bit about, about that one? Yeah So pretty much that's it's called Choice Chamber. Pretty much, it's almost the same as Twitch Plays Pokemon. However, you're controlling your own character. It's a it's a side scrolling platformer, but you can there's also weapons and things like that. But if your character come across comes across a chest, your Twitch audience can actually interact with you directly and determine what will be in the chest. So it will present the game itself will present the Twitch viewers with a certain amount of options, very similar to Tomb Raider. Um, for example, sword, bow and arrow, or another weapon, and then the your viewers will actually vote on which one will actually appear for you in that chest. And also, their words themselves
0: can actually appear as platforms Absolutely. in the game, or you yeah. can vote on particular types. So you can say a word, and it will make particular platforms appear. You can put in numbers. It's Phenomenally clever.
1: The video, we were just uh, watching, like they summoned a fist to pu- a giant fist, a godly fist, to come
2: and punch, just wiped out the whole. Wiped screen, out basically. the monster. Uh, it's yeah. just so creatively uh, interactive,
0: and it wouldn't it's, have ever been possible before this sort of platform. had no, ever no, come no. around. It's really so.
2: just. It really is just embracing that idea of um, uh, Pokemon at, uh, on Twitch.
0: We're definitely going to put a link up to Playth watch Twitch, the sorry. video on that one. I love so that video. Have a look at our. Page for updates this week, and we'll have a video. Have a look at it. it Do is, check it
2: out. It's totally worth it.
0: It's I, I kind of a bit blown away by it, to be honest. I don't really
2: know. As a viewer and also as the player, I'm I'm, I'm keen on both levels. I think mm. it would be so much fun. And and depending on who you play, uh, who's playing, I guess the game in front of you would uh, change your enjoyment levels as well. Because there's a couple of characters. From what we've seen, yeah,
0: and you can add in yeah all sorts of different elements. I'm hoping that this becomes more of a thing, and i wonder wondering love it if, it's be, a if it's going to be if it's going to be more of a uh, like a mainstream thing, or we're going to see more of the indie developers. Well, like the just like do... the
1: moba aspect, like a lot of games nowadays are incorporating the moba aspect. I think this might be the next step or next like staple, like horde mode, for example. Yeah, that was like a an, another movement. Maybe that'd be a new genre you could have. You could have basically the team,
0: yeah. the viewers, and you are the player fighting against that
2: yeah well that's what some it seemed to be pointing towards a little bit in that uh, you know uh like you said you can either have the people that are trying to make uh make it happen and make you pass the level or you're going to have your trolls kind of fighting for chaos so if you're if you've got a team full of viewers that are all about chaos then yeah you might not pass the it level also makes for easily.
0: amazing viewing as well when you're watching I this think so as well, absolutely so. yeah all right great let's go to, on to our next topic you're listening to Pixel Sift on Radio Murdoch. Now, I'm sure we can all admit to the marathon gaming sessions. Personally, I played GTA Vice City for about three days straight um, when it came out. And I didn't sleep during that time. I did have to go to school. Um, and in the middle of it, and, and basically I'd play all night, go to school, play all night, go to school. And basically, I'd wake up and would be like, oh, geez, it's sunny again. I guess I've got to get ready to go. Um, and on the last day, I actually have no memory of getting home at all. I was just in bed. So after that, I said, I probably should give it a bit of a rest.
1: If you're struggling with addiction.
0: Yeah. <laughs> There's plenty of places to yeah. check out online. Um, so we've got a group of friends right here in WA, and they're getting ready this weekend to run the gaming gauntlet against time and tiredness. And this is all for a good cause. Uh, I spoke to Dionne and Keegan from the 1UP Marathon, and they told me what it was all about.
3: Well, this weekend, um, starting at 8 o'clock in the morning on Saturday, uh, we are going to be playing video games for 24 hours um, to raise funds for the Multiple Sclerosis Society of Western Australia.
0: Yeah, so why a video game marathon?
4: Oh, we we actually did, I think it was Andrew, uh, found a few years back a company or an organisation, I should say, called Extra Life. That, um, that we're doing this in the States and they happen to have an Australian charity on there for a children's hospital in Sydney and so we all kind of jumped on board and had a go at that for a couple of years and then uh, I think from memory they mysteriously disappeared off the list of charities. I- I'm not sure why. And so we, well, Andrew put the question out, do we want to just pick our own charity and, and go from there? And I think we've just been doing it every year since.
3: As a group of friends, we've always... Um caught up for the night and, and, and caught up online and, and played from home, and so it was just an extension of what we are doing as a group of friends.
0: So how did you choose the MS Society of WA as the charity you were gonna support?
3: The reason why we chose it is really personal to us. Um, one of our friends was diagnosed with um, MS um, just this year um, and we've seen firsthand the support that the MS Society of WA provides um, sufferers of MS, um, especially just the stuff they've done when you first get diagnosed is is just amazing, just basics, you know, <laughs> um, providing information to friends and family about what MS is, counselling, they, they're a great local organisation. Yeah, they've just done amazing things. How
0: does it work? Do you have people kind of run it a bit like, uh, like a fun run and people sponsor you to do it or you just get one-off donations as, as people are? Or- spectating
4: you? It actually ends up kind of being a little bit of both. Uh, We spend a lot of time and effort and have have this year especially spent a lot of time on on social media, you know, at work when we totally shouldn't be, but, you know, (laughs) um, trying to promote it and and get the word out uh, and try and basically just asking people for money in the most roundabout creative ways we can. Uh, But we have found in in past years, uh, Dion especially spends a lot of time during the, the 24 hours uh, taking photos and updating statuses and making sure that people know what's going on. Uh, so across the day we tend, to, we tend to pick up quite a bit of money just in the 24 hours. Uh, so it kind of works out a, a little bit both ways I think. And what do you
0: do to kind of keep yourself up and running throughout the full 24 hours? Do you take it in shifts or do you just uh, you know, go as long as you can and take as many sugary energy drinks as you possibly can?
4: I, I think personally that the, uh, the energy drinks are a trap um, and we've all fallen into this trap over the years: is that you go hard on the Red Bull, and then you realise that when you have that much caffeine, all you're doing is maintaining the same state you're in, and then you're on borrowed time. Then, so as soon as you get to about two o'clock in the morning, and it takes four times as much caffeine as it should to to keep your eyes open, it ends up costing you a lot in uh, in performance. Your brain stops functioning, and you just oh, it becomes a huge struggle. So. There's, there's actually a lot of weird little strategies that everyone has. Like we've had guys, uh, you know, two o'clock in the morning, just get up off the couch and go and have a shower for the third time in 45 minutes or, uh, you know, go outside and do star jumps or, um, you know, hang upside down on the couch to get the blood rushing away from their feet into their head or, so, you know, just all, all manner of weird and wonderful bits and pieces that are probably almost entirely placebo just to, in the hope that you'll, you know, suck the last five minutes out of yourself or, or, or whatever it is.
3: Yeah, but we have learnt you drink lots of water and you don't eat a lot of heavy foods because they just want to send you to sleep. But, yeah, the caffeine's definitely for 2 o'clock in the morning. It's not for any other time.
0: And what games are you guys going to play this weekend?
3: <sighs> well, for me personally, I'm doing Tomb Raider um, and I'll be on the iPhone a lot. Um, I'll be on the 360. Keegan, you could probably speak for the rest of the group.
4: Yeah, we've, we've got a bit of a, a wide array of... Um, and it's one of, one of my favorite times of the year doing this because you start to see all of the different games that you haven't been paying attention to over the year. So a couple of the guys have got Forza lined up. They're going to have some little um, either races against each other or, or um, comparisons of cars and cool stuff. We've got a couple of the guys are going to play Borderlands. Uh, there's a few people wanting to play uh, Rocket League. Um, and we want to try and see if we can get as many people on Rocket League as we can, which is going to be cool, I hope. We always have the uh, the standard yearly NBA Jam tournament <laughs> where we pair off, pull names out of a hat and pair off uh, to see in a round-robin tournament who can be the best at NBA Jam because it's an infuriatingly uh, um, strange game. So, yeah, we, we have a few things to kind of keep us busy. Uh, there is a lot of time where people will um flog out certain games that they you know haven't had a chance to. I know Fallout 4 is going to be a very very big one this
3: year. I was about to call that out. That's the reason why we booked it this weekend. <laughs> yeah.
0: Dion and Keegan who will be taking part in a 24 game 24 hours, sorry, 24 hour gaming marathon raising money for the MS Society in WA. You can find them on Twitter. They're at 1 number 1 uh Up Marathon. And you can also watch them live stream from 8 a.m. Perth time on Saturday, 14th of November on twitch.com forward slash one up marathon. The music was by Leo Kwan, and that was the the track by the name Passionate Video Game Hero, which I thought was pretty appropriate. And we'll stick a link link up to that on our website. Last week, the Extra Life Marathon was on, and Gamers Around the World raised $6.7 million for children's hospitals. Uh, Why do we think
1: gaming marathons are so successful? at getting people to open up their wallets. I think everybody can relate to a gaming marathon, pretty much. Like, it's just with so many people playing video games nowadays, everybody knows that that actually can be really tiring and can be, like, pretty draining on, like, even physically, not just mentally. Yeah. Yeah.
0: We also yeah. were talking a little bit about the people who do the speed runs as well. Yeah. Last week or the week before. Or the week before, yeah. And, um, yeah, people often get on that for charity as well and they'll try to smash through as many games as they can, clock them as possible. Yeah, it's I mean,
2: good. it's... Uh, I mean, gaming, marathon gaming is something obviously not new to anybody. Anyone that's a proper gamer, that's kind of, you know, how it's done, I guess. And I think it's really kind of getting amongst that, you know, the culture of real gaming and uh, getting together and banding together and doing something that's, uh, you know, seemingly is... Uh, I don't know. <laughs> exceptional, yeah. And then, uh, you know, getting people together for charity—it's always great. Anything you can do, like that, thinks thinks exceptional and put a charity like to, against it, and all right, it's money for us. You know, okay, my book. Well, as
0: um, Dion and Keegan were saying sense. in their thing, they were a group of friends that kind of came together anyway to play games, and they're like, "Well, we might as well do something like yeah, this let's to make raise s- money. Yeah. Let's do charity. something good with this." And they've got a friend who who needed, who thought they should support the charity that supported their friend. So, you know, I think this is a big part of of, of doing.
2: Being a good, I guess, responsible gamer, maybe, is that what we do? No, uh, I think it's putting uh, gamers in a good, uh, respectable position in the community, at least, I think. Um, uh, Having a favourable light shed on them. I think there's nothing wrong with that. I think anything you can do that can help out anyone else in any way
1: is good. And if you can do that doing something you love, and you can do that with all your friends, I think that's a bonus.
0: Yeah, well put hopefully we'll see a few more of these things as well We guess we're going to wish these guys luck over the weekend mm. um, hopefully they'll be Able to bring in some good money for a good charity and also play some good games. Yeah, wish there. some good gaming. We're going to be. I'm going to pop in there for a little bit and we're going to get a bit of a video and stuff and see how they're going nice. on the weekend. Um, probably bright and early while they're still very excited and, and bushy tailed <laughs> before the hours of mm-hmm. screen fatigue and mm-hmm. stuff come in. And I wonder if anyone's going to have those. Have you seen those Counter Strike glasses that people wear with like tinted? Nice. So that seriously, yeah, because people like are training so long. They but don't if you wanna... would
1: like to see a link to the Counter Strike glasses, <laughs> so they will be in the bottom of the yeah, blog.
0: We'll put a link to that so you can have a listen about that. Because like, I would like to see them. Yeah, they're crazy. They're just like normal glasses, but like yellow tinted. So you don't like destroy your eyes. And
1: Is that so? I yeah.
0: Maybe we'll give it's them
2: a... It's not a terrible idea. I think we'll, we should maybe give them a trial. Yeah,
0: give them a pro tip on uh, on that if they're going to try that out this weekend. You can check out Pixel Sift and all the other great Radio Murdoch shows on www.radiomurdoch.com. Read blogs, check out the upcoming schedule and listen back to previous shows. Radio Murdoch, the student wave. That's right. You are listening to Pixel Sift on Radio Murdoch. You can find us online. We're on uh, Twitter. We're on Twitch. We're on Facebook. It's all Pixel Sift. All things. Just search for it. Yeah. You know how to use the search box. I'm sure you do. You're growing grown-up now. Yeah. And we're very proud of you. <laughs> it completes anyway most of the time. So, yeah, you'll be able yeah. to find it. We are going to be having a little bit of a chat now about some of the mysteries and rumours of the video game world. And there was a big one, which has just been sort of confirmed, I guess. It has been long rumoured and long talked about. Yeah, like
2: I said earlier in the show, anything can be uh, falsified after it's been proved true. But uh, recently this this year, um, the fabled Nintendo PlayStation uh, was found, I guess. This was uh, something that was... Created in '98, uh, when Sony made a deal with Nintendo to bring the newly famed CD-ROM technology to the uh, game developer, uh, but Sony wanted more money. Uh, Nintendo wouldn't have a buyer of it, so I think in '91 they unveiled it, and the next day Nintendo pulled their po- pulled the plug uh, in favour of. Did Phil- they actually? They actually unveiled it. Yeah. So it was the next day. Um, so yeah, they w- went with Philips instead. Um, Nintendo kicked themselves because that obviously led to the Sony PlayStation console series. Um, but yeah, there was a small collaboration. Um, 200 prototypes were made. Supposedly, they'd all been destroyed until earlier this year when this one popped up. Uh, and finally, it's been confirmed uh, to exist and work. Uh, we saw them playing a SNES game on it. But unfortunately, the CD-ROM didn't really work. I think it must have been they they think it had been disabled instead of being destroyed. Okay. and um, they also think it might have been console number
0: two do they know where did they find this one do you know
2: uh no okay well there was this company uh haven't got the name there it's something like adventure or adventure uh basically that went into um, bankruptcy in 2009 and all their things uh went into boxes and there was I think somebody from Nintendo was working there at the time had an office there and it was just stored there and it went into boxes and went onto auction and this some guy picked it up and it's just been sitting in an ox, aux- uh, aux- uh, aux- uh, attic, sorry, so, a so box in an attic since then.
1: This console predates the PS, the PlayStation, the original one. It, it is,
2: yeah. okay. Yes. So, it, I mean, you can see pictures of it on, on the internet if you feel like looking it up. Uh, it's a very kind of SNES-y looking um, elongated box with uh, PlayStation-looking buttons on the top, basically. And, and, and it CD has a little, drive at the front. So, it's got, yeah, it's got a SNES cartridge uh, spot at the back, just normal. And then it's got this uh, big kind of CD-ROM at the front. And that was about it. Uh, it's it is. I've seen the it running with. It's got its own OS and everything, so it, it looked pretty legit. Uh, and it is it even has um, Sony PlayStation. Oh, uh, sorry, uh Sony marked SNES controllers. Oh, really? It looks wild. Uh, and on top of that, when they, they did an X-ray as well, and there's uh like you know uh, Sony and Nintendo kind of collaboratively stamped chips and stuff in there. Wow. Uh, they did
1: an X-ray. I love that.
2: Yeah. Well, because they wanted to see what was wrong with it and whether mm. it was kind of like you know. Because they were all destroyed and this is probably, you know, one of maybe one left. They wanted to make sure it wasn't kind of boobied and I like going to be destroyed a, just by opening it up.
1: I like how it has a disc tray. Like the, the original PlayStation is like they had like a lid that kind of opened and closed, but this one actually has a disc tray. Yep. <laughs> That's interesting.
2: Yeah, it really does look like the old school CD, well, you know, CD drives from a PC, like molded into a, the front of a SNES. Jammed in there, yeah. Well, it makes it, you they've wonder. They've remolded it It looks fine, but mm. you know, it really just does look like an old PC CD drive.
0: Does it's, yeah. It makes you wonder how much of this stuff could have been around that we never even heard well, of. What would the gaming landscape been like if Nintendo and PlayStation had actually continued on this partnership?
2: I got so nostalgic about there, like the all the lost kind of releases that would have been, um, you know, <laughs> released from this. But then I was like, oh well, you know, we, we wouldn't have the Sony PlayStation series as, as we know it, and. You know, it's always it's always that kind of, you know, what if history changer.
0: It's interesting in that I remember, well, I'm old enough to remember when the PlayStation sort of first came out. Yeah. And I remember the advertising that I had for it as well. And it was very much marketed at, you know, your 20 something yeah, in stark contrast, contrast to mm-hmm. the Nintendo, well, the Super NES that came out at the time.
1: So so this came out in 1991. Well, it,
2: was unvi- it was unveiled at 91. It, did, it was never released. Oh, okay. So when. So, yeah. So when. When did the
1: PS1 come out? Or the original PlayStation come out? About mid-90s. Yeah. yeah. Mid-90s? Yeah. So do
0: you a, think... A long like, time later, yeah. long. Well, Super so, well, so Nintendo we, was out for quite a while before
2: PlayStation. Right. right. Well, well think about yeah. this. this well, they were still pushing SNES stuff. So the 64 was yet to come. Yeah.
1: So I'm just curious to see if... Was Sony maybe ready for this to fall through and then they had the PlayStation ready to go? No, or no Or do you think they...
2: I think they went back to the drawing board. Okay. And were like, let's stick it to Nintendo. And they did. Like, I I was a Nintendo man or boy (laughs) up until that point. You're a Nintendo man now. Yeah, I am a Nintendo man now. But I was a Nintendo boy back then. Um, And I remember I saved up on my pennies and... I swapped over from 64 to PlayStation. I remember the first PlayStation I got as well. It was the Gran Turismo uh, Platinum Edition. Ah. That's when I finally jumped ship. So they've been around for a little while, and I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to be a Sony boy from now on.
0: There's been a fair a fair amount of other sort of rumors and, and video game sort of mysteries. The other one that was confirmed last year was that the E.T. game, which was reportedly to be one of the worst-selling games, worst-produced games
2: it's in one of the worst video games ever lists yeah. that I was looking at. Yeah. for the I think it was for the Atari. Um, it caused, yeah, Atari.
1: It caused the market crash. Like video games were, they it, were just gone. There was a video like game y- bubble, and basically that was the end of it. Yeah, you couldn't.
2: In saying that about yeah. sorry about at yeah. it did sell at auction uh, for one hundred and eight thousand dollars, according to Rolling Stone magazine. What wow. does that so, mean? So what, what was conf- <laughs> <laughs> what was confirmed last year was that there was always
0: rumoured that they basically said, well, pack it up, boys. We're going to take all this stuff and put it in the desert somewhere. Well, and they buried a bunch of these cartridges in the Mojave Desert in California, well, sort of California area, and um, then poured concrete over it. And they did an, like, an archaeological dig, and they said, this is where I think they were buried. And they found a bunch of them, and some of them still worked. That's incredible. Yeah. So that was another thing that had been sitting around for ages and ages, and people had just been like, How well. would they go to the
2: effort of doing that? Like... <laughs>
0: Well, I guess they that couldn't. They mean. couldn't sell it because the company was basically destroyed. So it yeah. was no. It was a stranded asset. They had to get rid of it somehow. So they just buried just it in the buried desert. Buried it in the desert. Well, the thing that's is, that's what like, I do with
1: all my problems. I just bury them in the desert. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, the thing is, they made more cartridges than consoles existed. Yeah, they. Yeah, it was like, it just didn't make sense on any level. Mm. Like, even if it was a good game, they made too many. Decision making. Yeah.
2: Well, it was such a big film, you know. You can't blame it for thinking it was going to be.
0: It was. It was the era, I guess, of the the cash in and the the merchandising. You know, Star Wars and things had come out, and everyone said, "Oh, we got to get on this bandwagon yeah, quickly." Yeah. T-
2: I mean, they still do that kind of thing. Let's quickly make a. Things go with this. There's
0: plenty of other bad merchandising opportunities. You that should Wifley. see
2: screenshots of this ET game, though. It's it looks so terrible. Look at like the ET. You should go on and check it because it's. No, so, we'll, it's, we'll put the, it's some of the, the screen- worst blocky kind of pixely looking thing. They just didn't try. Yeah, they basically <laughs>
0: some some dude churned it out in a weekend. Yeah, the, I mean, there's been many other uh, video game rumors as well. I remember from the Pokemon era. Uh, on Red and Blue, apparently if you did this like, arcane number of steps, there was like a truck that you could use strength on and you had to make sure you fainted on the SSN <laughs> to get to the truck and you could surf around it and... And underneath, would be a Pokeball which contained Mew, apparently. And there was all these, like, Photoshopped images where people had gone yeah. and, and adjusted the thing to make it look like it was legit.
1: And oh, so many other little things. Even little... more, oh. anyone that's played Pokemon, like, you hold down B and the down button, and then that apparently increases your chance of catching the Pokemon. That's apparently false. Well,
2: we had the whole, um, even with the more recent games, uh, GTA, with the whole uh, alien kind of conspiracy thing that went with that. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, you had to finish the game before you can kind of even start to look into it. Uh, but I found that really interesting when, that's first inter- when stuff about that first started popping up on the internet. And to be honest, I still haven't done it yet because I've never kind of gone to the effort of finishing all the things on that game. A lot
0: of these things, you just kind of want someone else to dig it up for you, though. And, and they go, here's
1: the guided tour and to this find what the you UFO. Do.
2: And you watch half an hour worth of video and you're like, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, but well, I want to do it, but no, I haven't got to that point
0: yet. One other game we saw as well was um, PT, which came out, which was called Playable Trailer, and it was done by Kojima and sort of tied into the Silent Hill universe. And there was multiple different things that you needed to do, and it was never documented in order to unlock certain endings mm-hmm. and certain things, and people just started this rumor mill and went crazy about it as well. So Can I talk like, about Destiny? <laughs> we've, we've only got a very short amount of time, Mitch, so again, oh, okay. unfortunately we're not going to be able Black to Black talk... Spindle and Sleepless Yeah, that is all. Uh, Halo as well used uh, the scarab gun as well that was another thing I know
2: there's so many more especially from like older kind of uh, you know uh, console games I just you know I, I can't get any at the moment
0: there are plenty of other rumours out there. Rumour is, though, you can listen to us again next week. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's probably going to be confirmed in uh, a <laughs> uh, 50 years or so. But um, you can definitely. We're going to have tune. to bury Pixel Sift in the desert. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to be buried in the desert. A truck of concrete. That's all we've got time to, for today. Thanks for tuning in and listening to another episode of Pixel Sift. You can find links to our website uh, on www.radiomurdoch.com pixel sift. Scott, where can people find us on social media?
2: Gianni, they can find us at facebook.com forward slash pixelsift and twitter.com forward slash pixelsift. Mitch, if people want to listen to other episodes, where should they go? As you said before,
1: you can find us on Radio Murdoch the uh, stream, to stream us and uh, we're available on iTunes and the RSS link on our page. And we've got a link to Pocket Cast as well, which is the oh, yeah. Australian one. That's
0: cute. While you're on iTunes, if you could give us a review and a star rating that would really help other people find our show. It Please helps do. push us up the listings. We'd really be appreciative of it. Um, Please do it. If you like what you're listening as well, tell your friends to tune in. Much obliged. We'll see you next week. Scott, bye. We won't bury you in the desert. (laughs)